0: Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? That's great. Let's try that again. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Oh, I've got to... Okay. Anyway. Hey, um, before we get underway, just I want to say thank you so much for having... Uh, us here. We, this is not a visit, this is family. We, uh, we always feel like we're coming home every time we come back to Kaitaia. So um, thank you for having me and Tim coming along and the boys. Um, it's lovely to see some familiar faces. And so yeah, just thank you so much. Just before I get underway, I just want to do a couple of shout outs. Uh, firstly to Pastor Paul and Sally Ann. Yeah, Pastor, (laughs) come on, let's give it up for our our campus pastors here. Um, It is always an honor and a joy to come and serve you guys. See, I'm going to cry. So some of the things I love about Pastor Paul and Sally Ann is that they always have their home open. And we arrived early this morning after a late night. We were down in Auckland, and we arrived early hours this morning. And sure enough, uh, on the table was this amazing cake and a note that just said, "Welcome, Uh, you know, welcome," and and obviously the cake. And it's the small things that uh, Pastor Paul and Sally Ann does that we so appreciate and we so value. And we want to thank you and honor you this morning for everything that you do um, for the local church, for Kaitaia, but. Especially because your heart to champion the next generation. And we just want to say we love you and we thank you. It is a joy to be here. So, uh, and also, that's a shout out to our pastors, but also want to shout out to Limitless. Come on. Sorry, we're a little bit loud, eh, church? It's a Sunday morning. Um, but come on. They say a healthy church has every generation represented. And I've been coming up here since we started and. Uh, the, the early days where we had maybe one or two young people, and it is a move of God when you have two rows full of young people, and and not just young people, but another generation sitting out there. And um, so I want to do a massive shout out. Who's excited for youth camp? Yeah. Come on, man. Like, I'm twice your age, and I'm, like, more excited. Come on, Limitless. Um... Get, get along to youth camp. It is the place. God changes lives at youth camp. It's just like when we all went down to conference and we had an encounter with God there, something special happens at youth camp. My life was changed at youth camp, um, and I would not be thinking I would ever be in church today, but I give it up to those uh, youth leaders that are here, Emma and Lincoln, who, uh, who lead the team. So, man, guys, get along to youth camp. But here's the thing, church. I'm a big believer that, to champion the next generation, it is our job to give them an opportunity to go to youth camp. So, if you can sponsor or you can pay for a young person to go who, who, may, not, who may not be able to go, but you can, make it your job to make sure we send every single young person to camp. It is going to be amazing, guys. I'm going to see you guys at youth camp. So, anyway, that was a quick plug for Limitless. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you're in this house. Lord, we thank you that you're here to speak. We thank you that you're alive. Lord, we thank you that we come to worship you, to lift up your name. And Holy Spirit, would you have your way this morning? Would you speak, Lord God? Would you bring, Lord, would you speak through your word? And as you've already touching lives during the worship, Lord God, would you continue to remain in this place? We ask in your precious name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so who here loves holidays? Yes, who doesn't love holidays? Come on. So this year, uh, me and Tim decided, oh, we're going to make it a priority to make sure that we have breaks and holidays. So like most of you guys, you lead full-on, busy lives. So we kind of said, oh, man, God, I, I can't sit still. Usually I'm just like on the go all the time, and I just thought, man, God, I want to be better at resting. I want to be better because resting is super important, right, as Christians. I want to be better at resting, God, and I want to um, make sure I take some. We take some time out to refuel and refresh. And so we decided to go on holiday. and We, anyone been on a cruise? Oh, that's the best life ever, right? It is the way to travel because it's cheap. It's cheap. I don't know. <laughs> I was sick for like a week on the, on the water, it doesn't matter, but it was good. And they've got all this free food, but it's great. Uh, anyway, that's not my, my point, is that we went on holiday. And so usually I'm a little bit more social. I like meeting new people. I like talking to new people. Um, but on holiday, I found out that I don't like talking to people. I just like doing, you know. I'm kind of, when I'm on holiday, I'm just like, ugh, do my own thing, be by myself. And I found out that Tim is the more sociable one. He's always chatting to new people, making new friends. Um, so one morning, we're at the cruise, and in me being anti so I don't know why, just on holiday, I'm just like, I've shut down. Um, I'm having a break. And so we're having breakfast, and I go and grab breakfast, and I come back, and Tim's sitting there, and he's talking to an elderly couple. And I'm like, oh, man. Like early in the morning, and I just want to eat my breakfast, and so he's chatting away, and he's talking, and I'm kind of in and in, in and out of the conversation, like trying to be polite, and then, then they ask, "Oh, so what do you guys do for jobs?" Oh. Tim tells him what he does, and i will sitting there going, "Oh, should I say, should I say something else?" I said, "Oh, I'm, I'm a pastor," and they're like, oh, "You're you're a pastor?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I don't know why they." Either we didn't look like ones or we weren't old enough to be, I have no idea. Um, but the thing is, we got talking, and when they found out they were pastors, that they began to share their story, how they grew up in the church, how they uh, don't go to church anymore, and how their kids, um, a few of their grandchildren still go. And what I noticed as the conversation went is that they began to, uh, the, the, the guy, you know, he wasn't, he was trying to not swear as much, because we found out, because he found out we were pastors. Um, the thing is, I could have missed a God conversation, or missed an opportunity to have a God conversation, and just just casually say, "Oh, I just work with young people." Um, but instead, we said we're a young, we're pastors that hang out, spend a lot of time with young people, and they began to um, and they began to share their story. And the thing is, I'd love to say they are. Oh, then we led them to the Lord and they got saved. No, we didn't, none, none of that. But what it did do to us is that it gave us a love for them. And every time we saw them around the cruise ship, on the um, we began to pray for them and we began to um, have a genuine love for them, all because of one conversation. And we know what I love about God is that he gives us the opportunity to partner with him in reaching those around us. And he lets us be a part of the miracle that is in progress. Uh, the question is, was I, willing to, uh, was I willing to be a part of that miracle, or was I just going to enjoy and have an ordinary day, um, or was I going to step out and let God do the extraordinary? I believe that that small conversation that we had with that couple was sowing seeds of salvation into their lives. And... Um, God just wanted us to do our part, which was to have a conversation with them, was to just talk and be normal and be ordinary, um, and the rest was up to him. You see, every time we connect with God, whether it's in our, da- whether it's in our daily grind or whether we're, in our, we're, whether we're on holiday, it doesn't matter what we do or where we're at, God is always going to align his heart to the, what, what is important to him, and what's important to him is lost people. What's important to God's heart is people who don't know him yet. And he's 100% for the lost and the broken. And, you know, religion is where we do church and we come here on a Sunday and um, we we hear about God, we talk about God, but it's only kept on a Sunday. Um, But if Christianity is all about a relationship with Jesus, then it's an everyday thing. It's, a thing, it's, it's an all day, every day. It's what we live and breathe and do. And so sharing and telling people about Jesus should happen in our everyday lives. We should be going on holiday, sitting there and talking to people. And the thing is, God is gracious. He gives us those opportunities. He's just wanting to see if we would engage. He's just wanting to see if we would step in and just share our lives. We're not doing anything out of the ordinary. It's who we are. And so it should be happening in our schools. We should be talking to young people about our friends about who Jesus is and what we did in the weekend. We should be going to work tomorrow and say, man, yeah, we went to church and we had an amazing time and we had awesome worship and my kids went to a kids program and they had so much fun. We should be in amongst our families talking about, oh, we had a great morning at church this morning for our families who don't go to church. There are opportunities all around us every day, and lots of it is in conversations. And so, just like on when we were on holiday on that cruise, and just talking to that couple, and actually there were we had a number of conversations on that on holiday, talking to people about just our lives. And our lives is that yeah, we're pastors. Our lives is that yeah, we're passionate about young people. We're passionate about the local church, um, and. It's just amazing what God will, will send through if we open our eyes to see that. So the title of my message this morning is Making Conversation. Making Conversation. You're like, what? We're at church to hear a message about that? Yeah, we're going to talk about, about making conversation and how we bring Jesus into our everyday, ordinary conversations with ordinary people. And we want to show how, how extraordinary our God is. So if you've got your Bibles, this morning it's a little bit of a a teaching and a sharing, but we've got a bit of a passage. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to John chapter 4, and it's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And we see how an ordinary day through one conversation, her life has radically changed. How many of you guys know the story of the woman at the well, Samaritan woman? One of my favorite stories. So we're going to go from verse 5, and I think it's going to be up on the screen Verse 5, it says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was at noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have you would have had asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse eleven, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw your well, draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and did also his son and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right that you have no husband. The fact is that you have five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband what you have said is quite true. And we're going to go down to verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one that is speaking to you. I am he. Verse 28. Then leaving her jar, her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have, no food, to, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. In verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you, be, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open up your eyes, look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. And what an awesome example of how Jesus makes conversation with someone who is desperately needing hope and a fresh start to life. You see, Jesus shows us that in everyday, ordinary life, so he was on a roadie on his travels, he simply makes a conversation with a woman, and it changes her life forever. So we're going to look at how Jesus did this, and he did it in four ways, and just to help us to remember, it's all going to start with the letter C, okay, so bear with me, so the first one is that Jesus was a man on a mission, and He and that was to seek and save the lost, Jesus was commissioned to go and reach people who don't know him, so Jesus was commissioned to go, and the word commission means to means, means instruction, it means command or authority given to someone to do a task or a role. So Jesus was com- God commissioned Jesus to go and reach unsaved people. See, John 4, 34, it says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And Luke 15, 10, it says, the salvation of one person, all of heaven rejoices. If one person gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. See, last night we had a young adults, uh, we were down in Auckland, we had a young adults event and um, and we had it a, We had some social influencers. I don't know how many of you guys know social influencers. They have a massive following on social media. And so one of our uh, guest speakers, she has like 50,000 followers. And so she was speaking last night on our panel. And one of her followers saw her story on Instagram and came along last night. And she got saved last night. And I was just like, man, we put on this whole event we stayed down here just for her, and she was bawling her eyes out, crying. She was 25, and she was searching for truth, and she saw it on an Instagram story and turned up to an event by herself, and she turned up, sat front row, and for the, and I was during praise and worship watching her, because um, so I was like, oh, I don't know her. I haven't met her, so I was wondering who she had come with, but she had turned up to the event just because she was following somebody who was who was sharing that night, and she got saved God's word says that the whole of heaven rejoices because one person gets saved. Jesus calls us to the great commission. He calls us, that's our job, that's who we are, is to be passionate about telling others about who he is. And our job last night was, we talked, our subject was influencer, how to be an influencer. And to be an influencer is not about who we are. To be an influencer is to point people to who Jesus is to show him this is who he is. This is how real he is in our lives. Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church, our faith is not not just so we can have good lives, although it is good, and God is good to us, but the truth is that God has commissioned us to go after the lost. You know, the Late Billy Graham, the great evangelist, um, he was a man that was commissioned to reach the lost, and he did. He reached millions of people with the gospel. But so are each one of us in this room. Every single one of us, whether you're young or whether you're older, we're all commissioned. We've got the same commission as Billy Graham. We can influence people around us in our world. We're called to go after the lost. So firstly, Jesus was commissioned to go. Secondly, Jesus shows compassion. So the woman at the well, Jesus saw her and showed compassion towards her. See, compassion is not about feeling sorry for something or someone. It's actually, compassion means to be moved to do something. There's one thing to feel, It's one thing to like, oh, my heart breaks for there. Compassion is like, oh man, my heart breaks and what can I do? What can I do to help? What can I do to, 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 to help those needs? You know, mental health is a massive epidemic in our communities. Ooh. And young people, and not just young people, every, every age, are suffering from depress- depression, self-harming, suicidal In the last couple of weeks, I've been in and out of hospital uh, with young people who are suffering mental illness, you know, working with a young girl who is on borderline multiple personality disorder, working with a young boy who's uh, locked up in 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 an actual hospital mental ward who is suffering from severe depression, and I'm like, God, what do we do? when broken and hurting people are in there, what do we do? We can't just say, oh, I feel sorry for you. I'm going to pray for you. I have to be moved with compassion to do something. And so we go and visit and we go and take them to appointments. And as inconvenient as it is and as tough as it is, Jesus was compassionate towards the broken and the hurting and the lost. And it's easy for us to sit in churches and be like, oh, yeah, we we love Jesus and that. But Jesus lived a life of compassion. How can I help you? What can I do to serve your need? And I'm not asking that every single one of us have to be in hospitals and all of that. It's not that. It's that Holy Spirit will talk to you and say, you need to help that person. You need to make time to spend time with a person who's broken and hurting and lost. We just need to be obedient when he talks to us. We need to connect people to the right services, the right professional help that they need. Sometimes it might be just, oh, I'm just going to pick you up and take you to an appointment. That's helping. That's being compassionate towards somebody. It's easier to just say, oh, I know that person's suffering and I'm just going to pray for them. And that's compassion moves us to do something about it. It was compassion that led Jesus to places where the hurt and the broken would be. Jesus was not sitting in a church waiting for lost people to come. His compassion drove him to where people were at. And Jesus knew that that woman at that well was a social outcast. Right? So he's sitting there, he's at the well, and he sees the Samaritan woman coming. And he knows, because it was at, the story says that it was at noon. It was, it was the hottest time of the day. Nobody draws water at that time. And so this woman's plan was like, well, nobody's going to be there. I'm going to turn up. I need to go and get water. And yet Jesus is sitting there waiting for her. His compassion led him to be in a place where the hurt and the broken were going to be. And so she encounters him. Jesus sees her. And he doesn't go, oh, here comes the woman with five husbands. Here comes a woman who's living in sin. No, he sits and he waits for her. He doesn't get up and he doesn't go around to the other side like, oh, I pretend I didn't see her. He had compassion on her and it opened up his eyes to both her physical needs but also her spiritual needs. In Psalms 103, verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow in anger and abounding in love. How is your compassionate gauge towards other people this morning, church? How is your compassionate gauge towards other people when they're going through a hard time? Do you see if you can help meet their needs? I'm not, I'm not saying this to like, ooh, to make us feel bad. I'm, I'm hoping that it's an encouragement to open our eyes to say, actually, I can help. I can meet a need. I can go sit with that person. I can encourage them. I can call them up. I can take over a cake. I can, pick, I can sponsor a young person to go to. The need is big. We just need more people to, to be compassionate towards other people. When we pray for lost and broken people and I know our church here we pray for the lost we pray for people who don't know Jesus God will begin to send you opportunities that you can handle so he can move you so he can move you to be his hands and feet Don't you love that Don't you love that Jesus like he didn't say I'm going to do everything myself He's like I have the body of Christ I have my believers and I'm going to trust them with the great commission you go out and do it, you go out and reach people you know i 'm a'm a I was a youth pastor i'm a pastor I look after young adults now we look after young adults doesn 't matter really I just love young people but god doesn't i can 't reach i can 't reach the person in the in, 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 in the business sector i can 't reach a person in the law firms i can 't reach a person who is an athlete. He needs every single one of us to go out and do it. He needs every single one you 're an influence in the And wherever God has placed you, I can't reach your family, but you can. I can't come into your house, but you can. You can reach your siblings. You can reach your mom and dad. When compassion is in our hearts, it opens our eyes to the needs of those around us, and it moves us towards them. So I love that Jesus was commissioned. He understood that he was a man on a mission, but he also showed compassion And thirdly, Jesus makes conversation. See, compassion and kindness is an icebreaker to making conversation. I don't know about you, but if you know people, if you show them kindness and you show them compassion, usually their hearts are open towards you. And it was the same with the Samaritan woman. She was a recipient of Jesus' compassion and kindness. And when he makes conversation, when he begins to talk with her, She's like, yeah. She starts talking back to him. I I think it was a big deal that Samaritan woman was coming to draw water, and she sees Jesus. And I reckon that the Samaritan woman, a sinner, would have thought, oh, he's going to gap it. He's going to get up and leave. But he doesn't. And he sits and he waits for her. And then he begins to talk to her. And she's like, how can you talk to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We don't mix. And I'm a woman. You're a man. See, Jesus' compassion, he crosses every boundary. His love crosses every boundary. It crosses, it crosses status, it crosses religion. It doesn't matter. God's love and compassion is towards every single person, no matter where they come from, no matter what their faith is, no matter who they are, no matter what their past has been. Don't you, are you encouraged this morning that that's the God that we serve? Is this okay, church? Are we, are we all right? Come on. (laughs) So Jesus begins asking her a question, and he says, will you give me a drink of water? Now think about it. He didn't say, can I have a drink of water? The question was, will you give me a drink of water? And I believe it wasn't about her ability to give a drink of water, but it was a question of her heart and her will. Friends, Jesus shows us that when we make conversation with people who don't know him, it's important to ask the right questions. When you're in conversations, it's important to ask the right questions. Um, And I know this too well because I found myself in heaps of awkward conversations because I asked the wrong questions. Does anyone know? Has anyone had an awkward conversation? Right? All the young people. We're the awkward people. So usually, have you ever been in a conversation where you both say, "Oh hi," and you both say hi at the same time? And, and then, right? Yeah, that's us. We all say hi at the same time. And then before they ask, "How are you?" You've already said, "Fine." <laughs> yeah, all the time. That's me. I'm so bots. I'm all the time. I'm just like, "Oh fine." And then the rest of the conversation, you're trying to recover. It's like ugh, a, bit, a little bit embarrassed, embarrassing. Well, I found myself in this awkward conversation, Um, so I was at this place, and a friend, a group of friends of us were sitting at this place, and then in walks this guy, and he turned around, and he looked at me, and he smiled, and I was like, and I smiled back at him, and then I got up, and I went up to him, and I was like, gave him a big hug, and said, good to see you, bro, and he's like, yeah, yeah, and so... Then I started asking questions. i like, I didn't know you studied at this place. And he's like, yeah, no, I've been studying. And I was like, oh. Um, and I was in my head, I'm like, oh, that's unusual. I didn't know. I didn't think you were doing this. And that's usually my go-to question. What are you up to? And then I said, oh, so how's the family? He's like, oh, good. And I, and I said, oh, your sister. is?" Like, oh, no, I don't have a sister. I have a brother. And I was like, oh, oh, that's unusual. I thought that. And then, like, I realized I had no clue who this person was. I had just gotten up, hugged this person, and for five minutes, I wasn't backing down. I was going to go, I'm going to pretend like I know you. And so I asked all the wrong questions. I didn't even, I didn't even, I should have just asked him. I forgot your name. What was your name? I had no, I thought I knew him no clue. And so for full solid five minutes, we had this awkwardest conversation. And then I I was like, man, so I didn't even own up to it that I didn't know him. I was like, so good to see you, bro. I'll catch up with you another time. And sat down and I just sat down with my friends going, holy heck, I just had a whole whole conversation with someone. They were like, who was that? I was like, I have no idea. I don't actually know that person. Ask the right questions is the point of my story. It's also important to ask relevant questions, right? The fact that they were sitting at the well, Jesus said, uh, will you give me a drink? Jesus doesn't ask her, so what did you have for lunch today? Or what about this weather? Aren't you hot that it's lunchtime and you're drawing? He, uh, No, Jesus asks relevant questions and it causes her to think about her state of life. Eh? When you're in a conversation It's important to ask the right questions, but it's also important to ask relevant questions that causes people to think about them and where they're at. And I just want to say, thinking practically, that when you're in conversation with people who don't know who God is, it's important just to speak normal English, everyday language, everyday language. Um, I think sometimes as believers, uh, we can become too Christianese. And the way we talk, and non-Christians or people who don't even know who God is, just be like, I have no clue what you're talking about, I don't even, I, I don't know about you, but I always say this, imagine people said, oh, how are you, and you reply, reply back, thou was good, right, that's archaic, that's old, that's old school, right, or, or if you hear a saying, you know, God is good all the time, right? I'm just saying, from a non believer, and I've heard, I've been, what, a Christian uh, for a few decades now. <laughs> um, and I do hear people like, yeah, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And I'm, for a non believer, for us, it's great. But for a, a person who doesn't know Jesus, be like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Use just everyday language, just be normal. Just be normal when you're having conversations. When you're, when you're talking to people about Jesus, ask right questions, ask relevant questions, and just talk everyday language. And, and we begin to, as we do that, you're going to begin to build trust and relationship with them. Does that make sense, church? Yeah. Yeah. When our conversations are seasoned with love and wisdom and grace, we're going to begin to see the people that we care about, they're going to take down their walls one at a time when our conversations are seasoned with love and with grace and with wisdom, they're gonna begin to trust us and begin to open up their hearts and they're gonna begin to take their walls down. And I wanna encourage us, for many of us, it might take more than one conversation. It may take a lot of questions and it might take a lot of good listening skills before somebody comes to Christ. But know that you're doing your part in the Great Commission, and we're going to trust that God does the rest. You know, last night, um, it is so relevant, so this social influencer um, who has a, a massive following, uh, so she was saying, um, she goes, I had never, she, she doesn't under, quite understand why Christians don't talk more about Jesus she goes, I, I have never heard the gospel. I have never, nobody talks about Jesus as much as, as so on social media, a lot of young people, I mean, not a lot of young people, people in general, can, they talk about everything and anything. And for somebody who has a, quite a massive influence and a following in, the, in our, our nation, she was just like, I just don't understand. It wasn't until she came to salvation because somebody handed her a track at some random place, and she decided to turn up to church and got saved. And with all these people that are following her, she was just like, I just don't understand why people don't, don't talk more about Jesus. And I, for somebody who's been a, a, in church for a long time, I was like, man, that's so, so true. For a lot of us, we need to get a fresh revelation that we are called And we're commissioned to be a part of God's greatest mission is in reaching the lost. And every now and again, we just need to be encouraged that that's that's our mission. Young people, that's our mission. Our mission is the great commission. I know it doesn't sound flash, but it's just simple. All it is, it's just pointing people to Jesus. This is who He is. Come meet my friend. This is who He is. Come meet the God that changed my life. This is who He is. You know what? Come to church. Come to Limitless Youth. Come along to one of our events. Come support me getting water baptized. All of that stuff is telling people about Jesus. It's having a conversation. What did you do on Sunday? I went to church. You went to church? Oh, I went to church. It was so good. People need to like, but the, the world just hears, oh, I went to church, and that was it. Oh, and I went shopping, and I went to the movies. Bruh. I went to church, and it was good. Do you want to come with me next week? Do you want to come along to your Navid? Do you want to come to my life group? The world out there who are hurting and broken and lost, they need to see that we love the church, that we love who Jesus is, and this is what he's done in our lives. That, to be honest, church, that simply is my message, that we're called to be a part of God's greatest mission, is the Great Commission. Just tell people about who he is. Share who he is and what he's done in your life. Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman in John 4, they say is Jesus' longest recorded conversation in the Bible. It was Jesus' longest conversation recorded in the Bible. And it was through that one conversation her life was changed. Don't underestimate when you tell people about Jesus. One conversation can change their life. One conversation can change their life. One invitation to church can change somebody's life. One invitation, actually, uh, last week I was hanging out with a, a young couple. We went out for breakfast, and it was awesome. Just talking about life, talking about marriage, and just, you know, stuff. And then I realized, as as they were talking, there was something not quite right. I, th- I assumed that they were Christian. So they'd been coming to church for almost eight months, nine months, and um, the the husband was saved. But she wasn't saved. And she, then she began, as we just talked about life, she began to open up. And then she just, and I just said, Do you, are you born again Christian? Have you given your life to Jesus? And then she began to cry. And she said, no, nah, I've been struggling and I've been in turmoil. I've been tormented. I just feel like I'm just, God, am I saved? Am I not saved? And I was like, I can, 100%, I can tell you how you can know Jesus. And right there in this cafe, and we didn't even care. The place was packed, and everyone was eating and tables are right next to each other. I said, do you want to know Jesus? We can pray right now. And right there, we led her to the Lord. And she was crying, and then after that, I was like, all right, so we're going to eat breakfast? Like, <laughs> everyday normal stuff. It's just who we are. We're telling people about Jesus. This is the amazing God that he is. And straight after, so she got saved on the Saturday morning, baptized Sunday night, coming along to young adults. Her life, oh. She just looks radically different. One conversation with somebody can change their lives. So, Jesus was commissioned to reach the lost. Jesus had compassion. Jesus makes conversation. And lastly, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. When we make conversation, it is not our job to condemn people. But rather, our conversations causes them to see their need for a savior. In your discussion and in your talk, you're not there to judge them, you're not there to condemn them. You're just there to love on them and to sit and to listen and to hear and to tell people about who Jesus is. And um, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Not our job. We don't point out their sin. We don't point out our sin. It's the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. Our conversation will cause people to ask us, why do you do what you do? Why do you believe in what you believe? Or what's different about you? As we step out in faith and obedience, the Holy Spirit will help us do His will. Even if we find it uncomfortable and scary, He gives us the power to connect with His mission of reaching the lost. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to work on their hearts. John 4, 15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. The well is the place where, you're, where you draw water from, and it's the place where that young woman found living water and her life was changed because of a conversation. So Jesus was commissioned. Jesus had compassion. Jesus makes conversation. And finally, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. And so we are running a little bit out of time, and I'm just going to go through this. So, how, so thinking about how Jesus' conversation with a Samaritan woman, how do we as Christians make conversation with those around us? And number one, it begins with praying for the lost. You know, pray for lost people. You know what prayer is? Prayer is a conversation with God. That's all prayer is. It's just talking to Jesus. Young people are always asking, oh, how do I pray? Or how do you talk? That's how you pray. You talk about, however you talk, Jesus wants to have that personal relationship. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation. They say that you can't lead something that you don't love. We can't lead people to Jesus if you don't have a genuine love for people. We need to pray and ask God for lost people and have a love for them. So we pray for lost people. Secondly, we go to the well. My question is, where's your well? The well is a place where lost and broken people are. This morning, your well might be in your workplace. Your, your well might be in your school, Abundant Life, or Kaitai College. Your well might be at uh, working in your job. Where's your well? Where is your well? Uh, one time, really quickly. Oh no, actually, I'm just going to keep going. So pray for the last two. Go to the well. Be ready. Tomorrow, church is not about church is not a Sunday thing. Church is a Monday thing. Church is a Tuesday thing. It's a Wednesday thing. It's a Thursday thing. Where's your well? Your well is wherever you're at. It's your school, it's your workplace, it's in your family. Luke 14 23 says, Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in so that your house may be full. Thirdly, do something new and different. Maybe it's time to have different conversations. Maybe it's time to have different conversations. Maybe it's time to change what you're talking about in conversations and be really intentional. So when people ask you, what did you do yesterday? I went to church. I heard a message about doing something different. And then that, if you're in a good conversation, they'll ask, so what are you doing different? Great, great that you asked me. And then you begin to share. And lastly, I just wanna say, share your story. You want to pray for lost people. You want to go to the well. You want to do something new. And the last thing you want to do is share your story. John 4.39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. Just like stories about God who changed his life, God trusts trusts that God will lead you to share your story with those who need to hear him. If I could just have the band up, please. Jesus shows us that in everyday lives, that God will give us opportunities to have conversations with people. And it's up to us to take those opportunities to have those conversations. Those conversations that we understand that we're called and commissioned. Understand that we should, we grow in our compassion. Understand that in our conversations, as we share our story, people are going to know Jesus. People are going to want to know who is this God that you love? Who is this Jesus that you have given your life to? And you're going to have the privilege of either taking somebody that next step on their journey of faith or having the honour and the privilege of leading them to Him. So if you can stand, church, I hope this morning you're encouraged to share your faith, to reach a lost will and a hurting world. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm just going to pray us out. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you trust us to be a part of your mission, Lord Father, of reaching this world, Lord. And I thank you for every single person that's here, young or older, Lord God. I thank you for the opportunities that you'll give us this week. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you give us great courage, Lord, and confidence and just to be ourselves, to share, to ask the right questions, to ask relevant questions, to share our story, Lord. And Lord, we know that you're going to use us. You're going you're to give us the right words to speak and to, and to sow into their lives, Lord God. We thank you, Holy Spirit.